Hi, I'm Kristen Howerton, and I blog at Rage Against the Minivan. And I'm Paul Martin, and I blog at Paula Sophia. And you're listening to Why Partisan, a political conversation between two friends from different sides of the aisle. I'm a Democrat. And I'm a Republican, and we are both passionate political junkies trying to figure out how to have a civil discourse about politics. From social justice issues to the intersection of race, religion, and public policy, we're delving into all aspects of the political arena, and we want to talk about what has happened this week. Yes, lots happens this week and these weeks in the Trump administration. Well, a lot of happenings. I felt like Monday was this like giant news day. It was. It was. And so um, last week, I think it was on Thursday or Friday, there was a leak. Someone found out that Robert Mueller's team was going to be uh, indicting somebody. Now, who's Robert Mueller? So Mueller is the guy that is basically investigating the Russian interference in our election. So he's the ex-head of the FBI. He's a retired Marine, very well esteemed, and he's running this investigation. It's not necessarily into Donald Trump. Uh It's into what happened. What the heck happened? And so he just arrested... Yeah, so on Monday, um, the news came out and Mueller indicted, basically said, these people broke the law. Trump's former campaign manager, mm-hmm. Paul Manafort, with a T, um, and a guy named Rick Gates, who was basically his right-hand man. Right. And these guys were indicted for conspiracy against the United States of America. Wow. So we learned that at about... President Trump's former campaign chairman, Paul Manafort, has been charged with tax fraud and money laundering. Investigators say he funneled millions of dollars through overseas shell companies and used the money to buy luxury goods and real estate. The indictment of Manafort and his business partner, Rick Gates, makes no mention of Trump or election meddling. So, you know, the news is saying, you know, there's no mention, but how does this, how does this have implications for Trump. Yeah, and this is the big um, strategy right now. So some people think, given the fact that Russia definitely meddled and are continuing to meddle with our democracy via Facebook ads, Twitter ads, and all kinds of other things, that um, that's a fact. But the question is, how much did Trump's administration have to do with, of course, the Russians are for Trump because Hillary was so harsh on Russia that they wanted Trump to get elected. Uh, But the big question is, was Donald himself involved? And that's where the big rub is right now. Well, you know, it's it's pretty difficult to say that he had no knowledge or wasn't involved when, again, this is his campaign manager that he hired. And the thing about Manafort that I think a lot of people don't realize is that his ties to Russia are longstanding. Mm -hmm. Decades. Yeah, I mean... I am a Republican, and I am a big fan of Ronald Reagan. One of the reasons, the first reason I'm a big fan of Ronald Reagan is because he had an amazing ability to work with Tip O'Neill, the Democratic Speaker of the House, for seven years. And he understood that to get stuff done, you have to work with the people on the other side. But also he had the, I wasn't going to, I'm not going to say the word, he had the guts (laughs) to stand up to Russia. Right. Trump doesn't seem to. Yeah. No. And, you know, I think when you hire a campaign manager with known ties to Putin, you know, I I just I feel like it would be a stretch to say that Trump didn't know. 
Well, and then we have an email. And again, I know some of you on the on the on the on the far right. I don't think most people on the right, but on the far right, you know, you watch Fox News, you listen to Rush Limbaugh, and you want to talk about Hillary's emails. But the fact of the matter is that seventeen intelligence agencies, and to put that in perspective, we're talking about twenty to thirty thousand federal employees and private employees. So we're not talking about two or three people. Overwhelmingly concluded. Uh, Trump's own chief of staff, Trump's chairman of the chiefs of staff, uh, all agree that Russia did this. So that's not really up for debate. But you guys want to keep going to Hillary and her emails, which um, this is an issue of national security, not partisanship. Right. It should be. Yeah. It should be an issue of national security. We also have the former foreign policy advisor to the Trump campaign, a man named George Papadopoulos, who um, very quietly pled guilty to lying to the FBI. In July. In July about his contact with Russia. So it's, you know, I mean, I just remember my mom telling me, you know, when you, you'll you know people by their associates. Yeah. And Trump's associates are tied to Russia. Yeah, I saw the press conference on Monday with Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Yes. Who is Mike Huckabee's daughter. She's a very stalwart um, right-wing Republican. And she is now the press secretary. She's the press secretary. Spokesperson for the White House. And she was, I mean, she said at least 10 times that Papadopoulos, which I think is a good name, um, was just a volunteer. He, I mean, she said it over and over. I mean, her message, her people that study communication said to her, go say the word volunteer 15 to 20 times even though there's a picture of Trump with Papadopoulos in a, a meeting, uh, Trump spoke about Papadopoulos. You can hear him say he's a very bright, good man. Um, but this dude basically uh, pled guilty to lying to the FBI on behalf of covering up uh, the relationship between the Trump campaign and Russia. Guys, if, you, if none of you understand this, the bottom line is that Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama got really tough on Russia, especially after Russia drove their tanks into a little territory called Crimea. Right. And Russia started messing around with another place called Ukraine. And Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton got super tough on Russia. And basically, Putin hated Hillary and Barack Obama. And so guess who they didn't want to be elected? Because Hillary, like so many Republicans was, in the spirit of Ronald Reagan, tough on Russia. So the Russians wanted Trump. That's a fact. You can read that in the email that was sent to Donald Trump Jr. Sure. So the Russians wanted Trump, and it seems that the people that Trump surrounded himself during his campaign were people with direct ties to Russia. Not just Russian supporters, but literal direct ties to Russia. I mean, Manafort worked directly with the Kremlin and with Putin. Yeah. Um, and if you want a better understanding of all of Manafort's ties to Russia because they're involved and they're complicated, we're going to link up to an Atlantic piece called Much Ado About Manafort. We're going to pop it up on our show notes on um, whypartisan.com. It's a great read. It's a lengthy read, but it can give you all of the backstory on Manafort and exactly what these ties are, but they are direct and they're pretty serious. Yeah, and as a Republican, as a person who has voted his whole life for Republicans, this is embarrassing. Manafort holds three passports. He is 
he is just basically a thug. He's well a thug, or you know, uh, I mean, that's I maybe think, extreme. I think he views himself as some kind of a James Bond double agent, right? And you know, now the spin on Manafort was well, he was just there for a little while to help with the delegate count during the campaign. No, he was the campaign manager. This is the guy that called the shots for the Trump campaign. And if you're a Republican, I think we need to just like stop the cover up. We need to just come clean, be honest with ourselves, and say this isn't good for the party. It's not. Um, this is a party that for decades, especially during the Cold War, had the guts to stand up to any foreign power that was going to try and destabilize us. And that's exactly what's happening. And Trump won't say one negative thing about Putin. He won't say one negative thing about Russia, but he'll talk about Mexico. He'll talk about South Korea. He'll talk about Germany. He'll talk about our allies as enemies, but the man will not to this day say one negative thing about the very country that tried to screw around with what our founders and, and countless people died to defend. It's just appalling. And on the Russia front, um, just today, former Trump policy advisor Carter Page testified um, that he had told Jeff Sessions, who is the attorney general of the United States, um, that he was traveling to Russia during the presidential campaign just in 2016. Um, and so if, if you remember, um, you know, Sessions had been asked repeatedly about trips to Russia um, and I guess Sessions decided not to mention that the foreign policy advisor um, told him he was traveling to Russia in 2016. So this doesn't look really great either. Um, so we've got that happening. We've got these indictments against Manafort, that he hid portions of the money that he got from Russia in offshore accounts. Um, you know, it's just, it's really messy. Mm -hmm. It's, it just all looks really shady. But lest we, lest we be, you know, partisan, we should probably talk about, I mean, there are some aspersions being cast on Hillary Clinton. Right. Tell so, us about those. Yeah, I was never a Hillary Clinton fan. I, as a Republican, uh, you know, I couldn't ever vote for her. I thought she was shady. Um, and you didn't vote for her. And I didn't vote for her, of course. Um, I saw an interesting feed yesterday or the day before, and, you know, these people that do polls did polling on Trump supporters, and they found that one of the questions was, you know, basically, how much do you love Donald Trump? And they got this statistic that said, I'm just going to use rough numbers, you know, 40% of Trump supporters love Donald Trump. And then the next question um, was, how much do you hate Hillary Clinton? And the number was, amongst those same people, something like 70%. So in other words, Trump supporters hate Hillary Clinton way more than they love Donald Trump. And because of that, many experts think that in the last couple of weeks, guess who has come back into the political arena? The Hillary, person who lost. Hillary Clinton. Yes, lots of brouhaha about Hillary Clinton. Yes. And there was some dossier, some document that, I mean, I don't want to get into all the nitty gritty, but... At some point, the Clinton campaign or Democrats started to pay for this thing that was into the Russia investigation. It was trying to figure out what went on. And now the Republicans are spinning that into collusion that the Hillary Clinton campaign had to. I mean, that is quite a stretch to say that a dossier some someone compiled 
as evidence against someone is somehow proof that they're implicit. Well, the That's whole, kind of insane. And the funniest thing is the whole dossier is about how Trump and the Russians were working together. Right. So that doesn't seem to be a strategy that, anyway, it's just it's messed super up. super weird. But I, I think, Kristen, I think the bottom line is that this is a full-blown cover-up. The Trump administration, from the very beginning, compare this to Hillary and Benghazi. Compare this to, you know, going way back, um, the Iran-Contra hearings, going back to the very beginning of when I used to watch this kind of stuff. Administrations have worked with investigators. Donald Trump has called this a hoax. He has called it a witch hunt. It is absolutely no different than Richard Nixon and Watergate. There is no compliance with the federal authorities. And the only reason that Trump isn't attacking Mueller is because he knows better. And his lawyers have told him, if you attack Mueller, it's going to look like obstruction of justice again. So Trump will attack anyone and everyone on the planet except two people right now, Robert Mueller and Vladimir Putin. Well, you know, I mean, on the Hillary front, I will say there is some other unflattering news coming out this week, which is that um, Senator Elizabeth Warren um, has come out saying that she does believe the 2016 Democratic nomination was rigged in favor for Hillary Clinton, that basically the DNC and Hillary Clinton were somewhat in cahoots, that it was kind of fixed and rigged, um, that the Clinton campaign secretly took over the DNC way back in 2015, and it was just kind of a done deal, secret handshake. Yeah. Which is troubling, but at the same time, it's, you know, this is the inner politics of a, of a political party. It is not the <laughs> interference with a foreign nation. Adversary. Right. Adversary. Adversary. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. So, I mean, this looks, I think this looks bad for the DNC. Um, but at the same time, the fact that there seems to be politics within a political party is, yeah. is not a giant shock. No, it's not. And it's shady and it's the it's way shady. politics works. But it's not. You can't put it. And, you know, this whole thing of false equivalencies, this is what's going on right now. People want to compare things like Moscow, Russia, basically the Soviet Union, Vladimir Putin, who is an ex-KGB agent, who has had people murdered over right. and over again, who dissented from his view, is the same as some insider politician like Hillary Clinton working to you know elbow her way into the center of the Democratic National Committee. You know, one's shady, the other one's criminal and, and right. treasonous, perhaps. Right, right. The other one is, you know, it, it's, again, it's, it's, it's inner um, party issues. It's, yeah. it's, you know, your, um, your kid's PTA knew who they were going to vote for. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and also, I mean, again, to my Republican friends, and again, I'm not a Hillary Clinton fan. I'm on your team. I'm not either. I yeah, mean, we're yeah, in agreement yeah. on that People as well. go back and look at our videos, they'll see that you weren't either. But here's the bottom line. All this baloney about about uranium bullcrap, guys, that stuff has been investigated and debunked over and over and over again. And there is absolutely no question. Listen to me. Don't listen to Sean Hannity. If there was a shred of evidence that 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 this whole uranium deal had any weight, Jeff Sessions, who is the head of the Department of Justice of the United States of America, who reports to Donald Trump, would be starting an investigation, you can bet. The Republican-controlled Senate 
the Republican-controlled House of Representatives, would be opening up major investigations. But the fact is, this is all political smoke screening. There's nothing there, or maybe there's a little bit there, but it doesn't come close to, like, you had someone on the Trump campaign who pled guilty this, you know, in the last few months. And there's more to come with Trump. And so, you know, Nixon had something like 65% approval rating up until the very, very end with his voters. And that's what's going on right now for a lot of Republicans. They want to stick with their man. But unfortunately, it's looking really bad. And if you're not um, if you're not sure what Paul's talking about when he mentioned uranium, um, there has been some aspersions cast on Hillary Clinton that she was part of some um, financial gain in terms of some um, government purchase of uranium. Um, and we're going to also link up to this. If you did not see it, um, Joy Reid um, did a takedown of the Washington Examiner's um, journalist Jen Kearns, who was trying to kind of trump up, no pun intended, these claims that Hillary helped sell uranium to Russia. And Joy, I mean, did you happen to see that one? I didn't see it. It it was something to behold because she just hit her so hard with facts and just kind of dismantled the entire thing. So if you haven't watched that, and if you don't know what the whole uranium controversy is, it's actually a really great way to kind of um, open and then also close the chapter on that whole controversy that is not really a controversy. Yeah, and I think the point again, and <laughs> to my Republican friends, guys, we, we weren't called to support Republicans at all costs, no matter what, even though it might fly in the faith, face of truth, it's okay to say, yep, perhaps Trump messed around, perhaps these people are guilty, because to me that's more patriotic and even more um, uh, loyal in many ways to our party than just simply putting our head in the sand and saying Hillary Clinton did it, because that's not the case. And this is a cover-up. As a Republican, there is no better example of a cover-up than this with an administration now for over a year calling it a hoax, calling it a witch hunt. Everybody knows it's not. Russia colluded. Donald Trump Jr.'s email, you know, the guy from Russia sent an email saying, hey, I got some dirt on Hillary Clinton. And Donald Trump Jr. said, hey, let's let's meet. I mean, it doesn't get any clearer than, uh, at least with Trump's eldest son named after him, uh, first, middle, and last name, Uh, We just have to come to grips with that. Let's be people that are purveyors of truth. And then we could fight the Democrats on policy issues and things like that. Yeah, you know, and on that note, you know, when you when you say that Republicans should not defend a Republican, despite, you know, what's really happening, you know, we've. We've talked over and over, Paul, about this whole idea of like nationalism and that perhaps many evangelical Christians are putting nationalism above Christianity. And there is a quote from um, a pastor named Jonathan Martin that I wanted to read that I, th- I think is so profound. And I keep coming back to this one. And this is what he says. He says, um, we can and should dialogue with those under the demonic spell of nationalism. Mm. So he's calling nationalism a demonic spell, which dramatic, but. Let me read on. Remember, you will rarely talk someone out of another religion, and that's the key. For Christians, nationalism is not merely an opposing political philosophy, 
but a rival and false religion. Mm -hmm. So I think this is so interesting that he's calling nationalism an actual religion because I think it is for some people. And he goes on to say, um, the disciples come back and say, we can't cast this evil spirit out. He's quoting scripture. The master says, this kind only goes out by praying and fasting. And then he says about nationalism, brainwashing is not too strong a word. The fact that it comes in the guise of a religious spirit makes it more insidious. People who worship idols protect the symbols at all costs, even if the idols they worship demand the sacrifice of their own children. Have you seen any examples of this lately where people are more protective of a symbol than they are a human body or person? Yeah. Which is so Interesting, because I I do think that's absolutely what's happening with the protests of the anthem. Idol worship, he says, is the worship of an idea. It's the exaltation of an image over image-bearing sons and daughters, image over flesh and blood. And I think that is really what we're seeing with this whole nationalism movement. It is a new religion. It is. It is. And it's weird because the Republican Party, again, that I have been part of for over 30 years, um, you know, we were once known as the party of morality. You know this, Kristen. We were once known as the party of ethics and standards and integrity sure. and character. And maybe the— And Christian values. Yes. And maybe the godfather—no, uh, that's the wrong term. Maybe the pope of our country's evangelical roots is Dr. James Dobson, who during the Clinton administration said something to the effect of, we cannot vote for this man because of his moral and ethical standards. We are a— People that, you know, judge people primarily by how they live their personal lives and their morality. During Trump, when Trump came to power, James Dobson said the exact opposite. He totally switched his opinion. Personal character issues have nothing to do with leadership. What ultimately matters is how people, uh, you know, implement their policies and there, I have no question that this, as far as I'm concerned, wacky evangelical right, Liberty University. I mean, these people. Well, okay. Speaking of Liberty University, yeah, the, which so is the, now the new Fox News, they uh, Falwell Jr. came out this week, I think today or yesterday, and said, "We are the Fox News of America, American universities." Wow. So the pastor that I just quoted, Jonathan Martin, who is a friend of mine, who I really respect, he last week had um, said on on his. Um, Twitter and Instagram accounts, he said he wanted to get some people together to pray at Liberty University. He said it's ground zero strategically for the counterfeit faith that is sweeping many evangelical churches right now. So, you know, Franklin Graham and Liberty have been very vocal in their support of Trump, um, very vocal in some, you know, just really backwards politics that seem very unchristian. So Jonathan wanted to gather people together, including students at Liberty, and pray. So, um, fast forward to a few nights later, he is at a Johnny Swim concert going on at Liberty University. He's friends with the band. I This is one of my favorite bands. I've heard. I actually saw them in concert about a week prior. But so they're at a, he's standing at a concert at Liberty University and is suddenly confronted with armed policemen, Liberty University policemen, who escort him out, who um, hand him papers that say he's not allowed on the premises. So, you know, it's just, there's a lot of weirdness going on here. Yeah. And we live in Orange County, and this county for the first time since 1937 voted blue. And I know in certain parts of the country, like Alabama, they just had, just voted in a, uh, 
yeah, somebody who has rather unique views on things like homosexuality. Um, you know, I know Christians particularly have various views, but this guy basically believes that consenting people who have sexual acts in their own home and the privacy of their home should be, if they're found out, should be caught and thrown in prison, um, among other things. But the point here for me is that there is a certain brand of Christianity slash Republicanism that is very popular in the Deep South. It's popular amongst the power brokers at Liberty University. But I am going to take steps in my own personal life to believe that the majority of Christians and even the majority of Republican Christians in their deepest heart of hearts do not buy in to that narrow view uh, that is just mean and offensive and punitive and um, black and white. We live in a world of um, diversity in so many ways. And, uh, you know, this thing with Falwell and their, <laughs> their school being the Fox News of universities. I'm not saying we, they need to be the CNN of universities, but maybe the PBS of universities would be better. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, it's concerning when you've got, you know, Jerry Falwell Jr. who encourages them to carry guns on campus. And yet he's going to clap down on any kind of free speech happening on his campus. I mean, it's, yeah. I, I feel for the students there. Yeah. Uh, and I hope that they're not all in agreement on this kind of behavior. Totally. We live in a world, Kristen, and we talk about this offline all the time, of just black and white. Yeah. You are either with us or you're against us. You're for the Muslim terrorists that want to kill us or you're against us. You're, it's just we live in this world of binaries, one, ones and zeros, and that's what's being sold to us by yeah. Steve Bannon, uh, who I think is a disaster to the Republican Party, uh, Donald Trump, uh, Dana Rohrabacher, our congressman here in this district. Uh, they are selling and peddling this idea of good guys and bad guys. And yeah. to, to those of you who are Republicans like me, who have children, aunts, uncles, co-workers, neighbors who are Democrats, you know as well as I do that they are good people. They just happen to believe things should be done a little differently. Right. Well, on um, the topic of Trump, so, you know, a couple months ago, he tried to ban transgenders from the military. Um, we have many transgender people working in the active military. For a long um, time. For a long time. We have veterans. We have people who are heroes, who have gone and fought for our country, for our rights that we enjoy freely at home by <laughs> sitting and not, you know, going into into battle. Um, so he attempted to, you know, ban them from the military. And on Monday, a federal court blocked his ban, preventing the Pentagon from um, overturning these policies that were initiated by the Obama administration to allow transgender troops to serve openly. So, you know, this whole don't ask, don't tell, that was kind of overturned and they were, um, you know, transgender people were allowed to serve. So um, it's interesting that Trump, you know, Trump keeps attempting these bans, whether it be a travel ban, you know, um, right. the transgender ban. He keeps trying these bans that are basically pushing up against people's human rights. And thankfully, the checks and balances of our country are turning them over almost as quickly as they happen. And I think what's weird, and I'm a bit of a American history wonk, but the founders 
were super smart and they said, we ain't going to be like these monarchies like England or wherever. And so we're going to set up a balance of powers. So we are going to have Congress made up of people from states and based on population, House members that are basically divided by you know 700,000 people. And we're going to have a judicial branch that interprets the law and we're going to have an executive branch. And going all the way back to Alexander Hamilton, who was very into this idea of I'm going to be the king of America, and Jefferson that basically said, no, you're not, not to get wonky, but we're dealing with the exact same issues today. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's a beautiful thing that our courts, who Donald Trump this week said are a joke. And I'm quoting, he used the word joke and laughing stock. Now, wow. why I'm offended by that term is anybody who's been to court before and has seen a judge, anybody who has been part of our judicial system, if you've had a daughter who was sexually harassed or raped, or if you've been burglarized before, you go before the courts with a certain sense of awe for our system mm-hmm. and how we are by the determination of our founders, innocent until proven guilty. I don't think these public servants are jokes. No. I don't think they are laughing stocks. No. And I think it is beyond offensive that our the head of our judiciary, the president who appoints our our attorney general, is calling tens of thousands of civil servants a joke and a laughing stock. It is beyond anything I've ever experienced before. It there is. might be some bad ones. But most of them are sober-minded people right. who work themselves through college and law school so they can become public servants. Absolutely. I completely agree. Well, one more um, small but notable thing that occurred this week is that the White House Chief of Staff, John Kelly, was asked recently in an interview um, about a decision by a Virginia church to remove plaques that celebrated um, General Lee and George Washington. And this this was his quote um, as to these churches removing these these plaques. He said, I would tell you that Robert E. Lee was an honorable man. He was a man that gave up his country to fight for his state, which 150 years ago was more important than country. It was always loyalty to state back in those days. Now it's different today. But the lack of an ability to compromise led to the Civil War, and men and women of good faith on both sides made their stand where their conscience had made them stand. So here we've got someone who is basically downplaying the role of slavery in the Civil War, sort of rewriting slash whitewashing history. I mean, this is, what what is this? I don't know. And it's weird because I was so pleased to hear about John Kelly, Trump bringing him in and replacing Ryan's Priebus. Sure, it seemed like an improvement. And... I'm, I have so much re- respect for public servants, people like John Kelly or Robert Mueller. I really do. Like many of these people, you know, when they were in 11th grade, they decided I'm going to go serve my country. So overwhelmingly, I think most of them, but that wasn't a good thing to say. And then when, you know, when this lady in this congresswoman in Florida was with the widow of the man that was killed in Niger and Kelly later said something to the effect of we've lost, our country has lost respect. We've lost respect with respect to women. And then he lambasts this congresswoman. I just, I don't know what to say. Like I am, I'm such a team Republican person, but Robert E. Lee, he's someone we should not laud. No, no. <laughs> 
No, it's it's confusing, and it, I think it was disheartening for many Americans, um, but especially Black Americans, you know, to have um, the very very serious and horrendous reality of racism and slavery sort of brushed under the table was just really disheartening from 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 a White House chief of staff. Yeah. And one of the things that Chris and I touch on over and over again, and I kind of champion this idea as a Republican, I just don't think it should be the case that one party should be the party that champions human rights, civil rights, social justice. And yet this thing that Kelly said is yet another kind of black eye for Republicans, you know, and I know that I, I, I talk to privileged white Republicans all the time because I live in Orange County and they're my friends. And most of them don't really think racism's an issue or xenophobia or anti-Semitism. But to my Republican friends, I shouldn't be campaigning right now, but like we have to get our act together. It's not good for our party when we downplay racism. It's not good for our party when we downplay anti-Semitism with anti you know, Jewish crimes going through the roof. It's not good for our party when it's just not good for us. No, like, it's not. It's These aren't issues of left and right. Mm-hmm. No different than gun violence is. Shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of violence, so we had another very unfortunate um, mass killing that occurred in Manhattan this week. Um, a man... Um, a 29-year-old Uzbekistan native who was living in New Jersey was charged with providing material support to ISIS, violence, and destruction of motor vehicles. Um, it's the deadliest terror attack in New York City since 9-11, um, and it left eight people dead. So um, our hearts and, and prayers go out to yeah. um, the family of these victims. And five of them were from Argentina. Yeah. Which is just bizarre and sad. Super bizarre. Um but, you know, I mean, it's interesting to see the difference between this and Las Vegas, which was also a mass killing um, in which, you know, the president immediately is tweeting that he should be executed. Um, Trump tweeted, um, New York City terrorist was happy as he asked to hang ISIS flag in his hospital room. He killed eight people should get death penalty, which, you know, I think many of us would agree that he should be prosecuted to the full extent of the law, but we did not hear quite as much outrage over the white American man who killed many more people in the Vegas shooting. What's right. what's what's the yeah, disparity and there? Yeah, I talk about this a lot. Like these issues shouldn't be politicized. Gun violence isn't a matter. There are fifteen thousand homicides a year, you know, with guns. It's, well, this was done with a truck. Yeah, this was done with a truck, and he had two fake guns that he was waving out of the right. door. God forbid he have one of the semi-automatic weapons that you can uh-huh. buy in this country. Um, what's interesting about this case to me is this guy came from Uzbekistan, which I probably couldn't find within 2,000 miles of where it is. I know it's not in the Middle East. Um, but, you know, Sufulo Sepov came into this country legally Nobody could have ever known in a billion years that this guy was going to become radicalized. And guess what? He wasn't a radical Islamic terrorist when he came here. He They've already discovered that he became radicalized when he in came the to the U.S. online. And so, you know, he had three kids. He drove for Uber. And um, there's just absolutely no way to know, given the Internet, given where we are today with information, how some guy probably with a major personality disorder 
decided to get in a car and run a bunch of people over. And I think what, again, what we need to do as Americans is say, we need to never relent against ISIS. We need to do everything we can to protect Americans, both here and abroad. But 15,000 American, innocent Americans die every year by gun violence. Yeah. And not to downplay anything that happened in New York, but the guy gets in a Home Depot truck, drives down a busy sidewalk, and kills some folks. I mean, we need to, and Trump doesn't treat them equally. No. And we need to treat these, if the goal, according to Donald Trump, is to keep Americans safe. Mm -hmm. One of the things I really stay up and I talk to moms here in Newport Beach all the time, and they're afraid for their children to go to school here yeah. in the United States of America. Oh, for sure. For sure. And, you know, I, I want to just I mean, you, you said it too, but I want to, I don't want to downplay the, the true terror of ISIS. And, you know, I was in Iraq and Lebanon last month um, mm. seeing the devastation of ISIS. It is a very real mm -hmm. and very terrifying mm -hmm. organization. Yeah. Um, and all of us have every right to fear ISIS. Um, however, I also want to clarify that ISIS does not represent the majority of Muslims. I mean, we are talking about a very, very small um, and very fringe and very terrifying um, sect of, of um, Islam. Um, but like you said, I mean, this guy was radicalized here in the United States. They've said it was from watching Islamic State videos on his phone. Mm. Um, investigators found 90 videos related to the Islamic State on his phone. And so, you know, anyone can become radicalized at any time. This happened to him in the United States. It's not because he was some um, immigrant who came here with the intent to, um, you know, do ISIS's bidding. He actually... You know, this this happened from him watching YouTube videos, um, which is, you know, he's probably mentally ill. Um, but, yeah, he was an immigrant. Um, he worked at a cell phone repair store. Um, and, you know, he, he did plot this out and do this um, in some attempt to pay homage to ISIS. Yeah. And I think, again, I want to say over and over and over again, I would say this a hundred times, we... The Western state, the countries, the world should not relent against destroying any kind of ideology that would want to just murder innocent people. But ISIS, 10 to 1, kills Muslims more than they kill Westerners. And so it doesn't downplay anything that happened in New York. This is a group that believes, you know, if you do not hold our extreme views, which is basically you have to murder people in order to be God's people. Right. Um, you know, they're evil, but they're killing far more Muslims. This isn't an issue of Islam versus the West. I completely We have 5,000 Muslims serving in our U.S. Armed Forces. There are over 1,000 Muslims that serve in the NYPD. Yeah. This is not an issue of Islam versus, you know, the West or Christianity. Well, and I, I just, I want to reiterate what you said. You know, the the, the largest victim of ISIS is Muslims. Yep. Oh, by far. By far. And, I, you know, it's just so important for us to remember that there are um, and, and and that the country of Iraq and the country of Lebanon and they have been and Syria, they have been literally terrorized. Those people are the largest victims of ISIS and they are Muslims themselves. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think that we can even understand what it feels like for them to have been turned on by their own countrymen and their own religious 
colleagues, you know. Totally. Yeah. Um, but but as Republicans, this isn't, you know, people want to polarize these issues. They want to make it, you know, an issue of Democrats versus Republicans or patriots versus not. Mm-hmm. No, this is not an issue of that. We should destroy ISIS. Yes. And at the same time, understand that ISIS kills more Muslims, that most Muslims are peaceful, overwhelmingly, 1.6 billion of them. And most Muslims are terrified of ISIS. They're, they're, oh, More they, than we are. Oh, yeah. More and they're the are. ones that are getting killed by ISIS. And so, yeah. you know, I think as a country, we need to focus on what is killing innocent people. Yes, terrorists. Yes. Also crazy people like the guy in Las Vegas. Right. Who in 11 months bought 30 guns, tens of thousands of rounds of ammunition, was seen a psychiatrist, and was on Valium. So, and our president has not commented yeah. on. And I own guns. I don't want to. Take away the Second Amendment, but when you have Sandy Hook and mothers who are scared, whether you're right or left or center or anarchist, we need to do stuff to protect the innocent people in this country. We, sh- we sure do. All right. Well, I think that's it for this week. Um, please, we would love to hear your comments. You can found us, find us on the web at whypartisan.com. We will also be linking up to some interesting articles that are going to shed a little more light on the Clinton uranium issue, um, Manafort and um, some of his connections to Russia, and also um, a bit about Uzbekistan um, and um, what happened in the Manhattan truck um, attack. All right. Thanks for joining us, guys. Thank you. Be sure to subscribe to Why Partisan on iTunes and check us out on the web at whypartisan.com. A big thanks to Shepard Audio for providing our intro music.